Blog Talk Radio. Listen to their struggles as they turn them into triumphs. In a city full of challenges, they only search for victory, and nothing will hold them back. These are their stories. So sit back, relax, and welcome to their city. Wrestle City Radio. Welcome to another edition of Russell City Radio. I am your host, George Alonso, and thank you very, very much to everyone who has tuned in for the last couple of weeks and for all the new listeners giving us a chance here today here on Russell City Radio. For all those new listeners, uh, I want to explain how the rules go by here on Russell City Radio. We do not allow any fan call-ins, and not because I don't like it, because I do enjoy it. Shoot, I like calling Y100. But the reason why we stopped that is due to the disrespect that some of our previous guests have had on this show uh, when people have called in, and even at one time using um, Alzheimer's and autistic autism uh, against our guests here on our show, and we do not no longer condone, uh, of course, prank caller guests, and because of that, we have stopped all live call-ins from fans. Now, folks, if you do have questions, comments uh, to our guests of the evening, feel free to actually drop a question or a message over to our Russell City Radio fan page on Facebook. All you have to do is follow us on Facebook, facebook.com backslash Russell City Radio. And right there, if you have a question or comment, I will make sure that our guest of the evening receives that question or comment, and that way it gets across, and I even will name drop you. Now, folks, I wanted to also inform you that due to the sensitive material that we will be talking about on this show, listener discretion is advised as far as you, any young fans tuning in or anyone that is sensitive to any of sensitive topics, including one that I'm even going to bring up with Hulk Hogan. Uh, so, guys, I'm going to give you about five seconds to turn off the radio because listener discretion is advised. All opinions by the guests on this show today and even my own are solely that and don't represent, of course, Russell City Radio uh, as a whole, as a company. So, basically, guys, if you are sensitive to sensitive material, uh, please tune away now. I'll give you five seconds to do so. All right, so guys, if you're still here and you're still tuning in, guys, you just listen to my discretion and you are here at your own risk. So guys, going forward, I have to say 
This is a man that has that speaks no bull, no pun intended. And as a matter of fact, he plans to speak no bull and only the truth. And as a matter of fact, he is our special guest of the evening here today. I'm talking about Mike Mantar. Halak will be here on the show, otherwise known as Tank, uh, here on the show with the WWE uh, or WWF at that time. Um, he'll be here on the, on the show speaking about numerous things about the WWF, his time there, and his time in Europe as well. And even in ECW, we actually had a very long conversation, a uh, long, respectful conversation between him and I, and I cannot wait to share the information that we shared among ourselves with you, our listeners. Uh, guys, now also, uh, of course, like I was saying before about sensitive topics, you know, one of the topics I want to bring up today is Hulk Hogan. As we all heard, he has been re-inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame after three years of absence uh, when he was suspended for making racial comments, uh, you know, that really, really hit a sour note with the African-American and the black community. So, guys, let me explain something to you right now. Racism, as we all know, is very, very real in this country. Whether it's white against black, black against white, uh, Hispanic against, against a white, a Hispanic against a black, it doesn't matter. Racism is very, very real in this country. And, you know, before people can go on to find a solution for racism, they rather continue letting the problem grow by saying, hey, this guy did this or this guy did that, and even share it on social media by saying, look at what this guy did. Exactly what are you trying to do by saying that that's going to fix racism? Guys, the whole point of it is this. You don't have to like the guy. You don't have to like the girl. Don't spread the hate. Instead, of course, be who you are. Doesn't mean that you have to associate yourself with said racist, because that is what the New Day has mentioned. Don't react to it with hate. Just react to it by saying, I'm not going to affiliate myself with this said person and move on with your life. Uh, so that is what the New Day has done. That is what Titus O'Neil has done, uh, as a matter of fact. So, it, 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 so I respect, let me say this for the record, I respect everyone who has reacted to racism with no hate because that is the way you end it. Okay, not by sharing it, not by saying, hey, now I hate this race because of what they did, but by actually doing something better to actually improve it. So, guys, instead of spreading racism more than it already is, just react to it with something peaceful, something that you can do to make racism better and end it, because... It's a, it's a crying shame that this is what it's become. You know, Hulk Hogan, yes, is a very well-deserving man to be in the Hall of Fame. So is so many other names that we will bring up when we speak to Mantar for their own special reasons uh, in the profession. But, <coughs> excuse me, but you are mixing in personal with business, and you don't 
really should or do that. So in this case with, with of course, Hulk Hogan, Hogan, when you think about professional wrestling, the number one name that comes into your mind, or at least one of the names that come in your mind besides, of course, the Buddy Rogers and the Pat Patterson and uh, Gerald Briscoe, the Briscoes, Dean Malenko, uh, you know, one of the names that comes to your mind, obviously, when you speak the term of professional wrestling is Hulk Hogan, uh, you know, to, of course, alongside names like the Great Muda, uh, Antonio Inoki, uh, so people, Jerry the King Lawler, people like that, when you think of the wrestling, you think of Hulk Hogan, and that man should have still been in the Hall of Fame. Yes, I know a lot of people are upset as far as what he did, and by all means, I am not against it. I'm not against you being mad at Hogan for what he said. It is wrong. I'm admitting it. It is wrong what he said and what he did. No doubt. But when you say something where it basically affects a business, a business decision that has nothing to do with a personal decision, a personal life choice, then, of course, you're mixing the two. And to me, I feel like when the WWE suspended him for three years, of course, to some people and to most people, it was well-deserved, and I understand that. Again, I'm not against your opinion. Remember what I said, folks. Spread love, don't spread the hate more. I understand where you're coming from. But at the same time, in the business aspect, when pro wrestling is brought up to you, the same people that were mad about Hogan, when when people bring up professional wrestling to you, I could assure you that the name Hulk Hogan came into your mind as well when it came down to that situation of the term pro wrestling. So, yes, you could have been mad at him all you want, but pro wrestling reminds you, or Hulk Hogan reminds you of professional wrestling. Now, guys, <clears throat> if you have any comments, uh, of what I just discussed on this matter, feel free to drop a line on the Russell City uh, Russell City Radio fan page and speak your opinion. Again, I'm not against your opinion. I respect all of your opinions. All I ask for is the same in return because I'm not here to argue with your opinion because your opinion is your own and you deserve it as an American. So all I ask is you do the same for me. So, guys... We are now time to reach out to our special guest of the evening. I'm telling you, this man is not going to speak no bull, no pun intended. He is none other than Mike Mantar Halak. Let's go ahead and reach out. Okay, it seems like we are having technical difficulties. We do apologize. Okay, it seems like our server is having issues today. We do apologize from a Block Talk Radio standpoint. There we go. 
Hello? Hello, Mr. Halak, Mantar. George, Wrestle City Radio, what's going on, folks? <laughs> My brother from another mother. Well, technically, it better be another mother because apparently you were born by a bull. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right, baby. Bringing you live on Wrestle City Radio. Salmon <laughs> on the radio at 333 current pounds from the Isle of Crete. And Jim Cornette is in incognito at the moment. But from the Isle of Crete, I bring you Mantar. And ladies and gentlemen, like I was saying, this man plans to speak no bull, just 100% the truth. Is that correct? Oh, this is going to be a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful interview tonight, George. I've been telling you, you know, I've had two major operations. And when I got a call from my agent to say, hey, Wrestle City Radio wants you on the radio, immediately my blood started flowing because I remembered the days when I was in the ring, pounding and pounding and pounding on my opponents, and I just couldn't wait. I couldn't wait for the therapy. I couldn't wait. I had to go in and pump some iron today, baby. I've been listening to Limp Biscuit, Kid Rock, Prince, you name it, baby. I've been listening to it. And let me tell you something right now that you don't know. I've been listening to my buddy Young Vada from Omaha, Nebraska, Norfolk, Nebraska, an up-and-coming rapper. We've been doing videos all over the place. We're getting ready to drop a couple big albums coming your way soon, folks. So get lo- log on to YouTube. Look up Young Bada. You'll see yourself, yours truly, Mantar, in a couple videos, and you'll see what Bodzilla and Mantar are all about, baby. Beast and beast rapping all the time, just like it is. Ha-ha-ha! <laughs> in Omaha, Nebraska, baby. That's what I'm talking about, George. Hey, where's my brother, Remy Azul at? Remy Blue, where's he at? Is he online with us today? Because him and I had a little bet, and I want to know if he's online or if he was just kayfabing and just telling me what I wanted to hear. (laughs) Do we have him online? Is he online tonight? No, he's not on the phone with us right now, Mantar. I do apologize for He's not on the phone, huh? Oh, that little pencil neck geek, Remy Blue, you lost, brother. So the next time I come to Japan, it's women and sake on you, brother. And after we drink that women and sake, before I say adios, amigos, I'm going to give you the Mantar front power slam, baby. And it's one, two, three, and you'll be finished for a while. Let me promise you, because they don't get up. Too easy when Mantar puts it on him, baby. Woo! Yeah, <laughs> give you a little bit flair there. <laughs> hey, George, I'm fired up, man. What are you doing, man? How's things? How's things are down in Miami, brother? Talk to me. Talk to me, baby. Well, and now you just mixed in some dusty roads. So let me. There you, you know, go. See, I just do it all, man. You just let me know, cause you know what? They don't pay me for just. Showing up, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's kicking ass and taking names and duplicating everything that I can 
that I can duplicate in my life because it's often imitated but never duplicated, if you know what I mean. I can, I can mm-hmm. name a many, many pencil neck geeks on TV today that couldn't wrestle their way out of a paper sack, but we won't go there right now, man. I'll take your questions for a while, and then we'll get into the serious stuff. How about that? That's fine by me. And, and you know, speaking of which, uh, you know, Mike, I, one thing I wanted to ask you for the listeners to understand this, because I bring up the name Dusty Rhodes, and, and everyone knows Dusty for being, you know, a creator of many, many characters that we see on television today. Uh, you know, and, and the Mantar gimmick, I know Dusty Rhodes was not with the WWE at the time. He was actually with WCW. You know, how did the Mantar gimmick get created? Did you create that 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 character, the Vince? Like, did you have any creative control well, in that character? You know, um, when it first started out, uh, you know, Vince, he had this, you know, crazy idea because at the time, uh, Big Ben Vader, uh, rest his soul, uh, was on WCW at the time, and he wanted to create another another big monster character like Big Van Vader, and so he wanted uh, wanted to um, have me come out with a bullhead that was supposed to be you know shooting fire, shooting smoke out of its nose, fire out of its mouth, smoke out of its ears, and he wanted to take it off and make a big spectacle out of it. Well, you know. Um, after spending about $100,000 and making four or five trips to New York and a couple, three or four trips to Chicago to the creative talent, um, you know, all they came up with was Bessie the Cow. And, um, you know, I was really disappointed. Um, I went on TV. I debuted uh, the Mantar character with, uh, with the big bull head on. And, of course, everybody remembers the stupid shit that they have you do in the WWE, but, you know, that's what they pay you for. And so, you know, unfortunately for me, you know, I had to wear that bullhead, but that bullhead definitely doesn't define the wrestler and the person that I am because, you know what, I've been a wrestler for life. I've won world champions of freestyle and Greco-Roman. I've won uh, state titles at high school in Nebraska, folk-style wrestling. You know, I always love wrestling because it's always a catch-as-can wrestling, and it's one-on-one. And either you win or you lose. And I hate coming in second because that's worse than kissing your damn sister. And I got a sister, and I wouldn't kiss her if you paid me a million dollars. I'll tell you that. So, you know, once uh, once I, uh, you know, entered the ring five or six times with uh, Bessie the Cow, you know, I said, Vince, you know, we got to come up with something different here. I need to uh, evolve this character because this just isn't happening, you know. And so he decided at that point, he says, well, what do you think? And I says, well, I think, uh, you know, I had a nice head of hair back then. And I said, well, I think why don't we just cut my hair into horns and use some paint. And, uh, you know, we can go with half man, half beast like, like we've been doing. And uh, so we just went off with it. And it, it took off from there. But, you know, I'm not the type, you know, they could have done a lot more with the Mantar character, of course. But, uh, you know, they had uh, three kinds of people in the WWF. They had the click. They had a bunch of ass kissers. And then they had the people that stayed true to themselves. And I was one of them that stayed true to myself. I won't kiss your ass. I don't care if it's on TV. I don't care if it's part of my contract. 
I'm not kissing your ass, Remy's ass, Vince McMahon's ass. I ain't kissing nobody's ass. I might kiss my girlfriend's ass every now and then. But, you know, that's because she's on a scale of uh, on a one to ten. She's about a twelve and a half. So, you know, you have to excuse me, man, because, you know, like I said, I just came from the gym and I haven't really had a chance to cool down, man, because I didn't sleep last night, man. All I can think of George and uh, Russell City Radio, brother. I mean, can you tell me about it? Wrestling fans, are you listening to me? Mantar's in the house on Wrestle City Radio with George, man. George, you are the man, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate this opportunity of reaching to all my fans out there, Japan, Europe, uh, Asia, over in Turkey, man, just all over, man, all over the United States, on the East Coast, man. Shout out to my East Coast friends out there. You know, all my hometown boys here in Nebraska, you know, it's uh, it's been a little while since I've had a chance to share some stories. But, uh, you know, we're about to get into some real stuff today, man. This is, this is uh, I got a lot on my mind, man. And I'm, I'm usually not the kind of person to, to uh, say exactly what's on my mind, you know, but uh, I got to let some stuff out, man. So, you know, I guess I... I didn't get to uh, part of a workout because I saved a little bit for you. So uh, what's, what's your next question? As a matter of fact, my next question I'm going to let a fan actually ask here. I have a, a message from a fan from Lewis. They want to uh, actually – Lewis, where are you from? Uh, well, uh, don't worry, Lewis. Don't answer that question. Uh, it doesn't matter where Lewis <laughs> is from. Just give me the damn question, George. Well, Lewis wants to know – Will you ever don the Mantar gimmick again? Absolutely not. That gimmick was the shit from the beginning. And Vince McMahon, you wasted your money. You wasted your time. You wasted my time. You should have done something more. I'm a phenomenal athlete from top to bottom, brother. If you people remember, I used to give textbook belly-to-belly suplexes on every TV channel I could give you. I mean, you could not just tell that I was a professional wrestler, but you can, can tell that I was a real wrestler. And when I'm talking about real wrestling, brother, I'm talking about getting down in the trenches with them half Nelsons and them full Nelsons and them side rolls and them, them oh my God, George, you just bring it back memories, baby. I'm just flying high here. I can't believe it. But as I can tell you, Vince McMahon, you wasted some good talent right here. And Mr. Mike Halleck Mansar from Omaha, Nebraska, you said it on live TV the first time. I don't know who this man is, but they said his name's Mike Halleck. And you better not forget it, baby. And you're right. I'm from the Cornhusker State. And it's been a long time since we won a championship here in Nebraska football, but we just signed Scott Frost, and you all know about Scott Frost. He won a championship or two for them Cornhuskers back in the 90s. So we're about to win another championship again, George. So sorry if we meet you again in the Orange Bowl or the Fiesta Bowl. The Hurricanes are going down, baby. That's all I can tell you. They're going down like James Brown in downtown. Woo! That's what I'm talking about. So, yeah, Lewis. You know, 
they could have done a lot more with the character, man. And, uh, you know, there's, there's people that I enjoyed working with and there's people that I hated working with. And, you know, that, but that's a whole nother story, you know? So lay it on me again, George. Talk to me, baby. So, Mike, you know, speaking about UM, you bring up a, a, a very, a, a topic that a lot of people, like you taught me this. You, you, you taught me this. That I taught you something. A, in the 10 minutes we've been on the phone, I taught you something. Well, yesterday. Oh, yes, yesterday. We had, yeah. yes, we had quite a conversation yesterday. Yep. Hope you weren't recording and that, that and That's why I'm saying you taught me something because a lot of people don't know this, but we're about to drop a big bombshell. You actually helped train the rock. Yes, so, I did. Yes, I did. That, that's an absolute, that's an absolute shooting truth. I actually, myself with, uh, Doc Tom, Doc Pritchard, with my fellow uh, South African Truth Commission uh, colleagues um, that I got blackballed out of at the end once I got it started on TV. You know, that's one thing I hated about New York is, you know, if they're just going to use you to train some greenhorns on how to wrestle and send you to a territory for six, seven months, and, and they want you to get these guys in shape and teach them how to wrestle properly, then they should just tell you. Instead of saying, you know, we're going to send you down there to be a part of this gimmick. You know, Bret Hart told me on the phone, I was over in Europe wrestling for the CWA, and he says, uh, telephone, I just come out of the ring, and I said, telephone. At first, I thought it was my family, so I was like, well, what the hell is my family calling me at 6 o'clock in the morning for American time? And here, here I, I'm walking in the office. He says, Matt, he said, Mastino, he said, it's Bret Hart, hurry up. And I said, oh, thank God my heart just, you know, started pounding just a little bit then. And I said, what's going on, Brett? He said, I want to bring you over to the States to do this South Africa Truth Commission gimmick. He said, are you up for it? I said, you got it. He said, I'm bringing the guy in from South Africa. He said, I want to bring in a couple green guys. He said, so you're going to have to, uh, you know, carry yourself and, and carry them. But, you know, he says, I like your work. I like working with you. And I tell you, Bret Hart is one of the most down-to-earth, original people that you're ever going to meet. I mean, anything, you know, that, that people say something negative about Bret Hart or Owen Hart, they're absolutely full of shit. Because I grew up over in the CWA when I first started in the business. My first match was a championship over there. And I ended up staying because the boss seen my abilities uh, coming to fruition once I got the sport of professional wrestling down. Because, you see, I'm a wrestler at heart, so I'd like to do a lot of amateur stuff. And so putting the amateur in with the pro was good. So I got to start training with uh, Owen Hart and Chris Benoit and Dave Fit Finley. He happens to be an agent now for the WWE and one of the toughest guys in the world. You ask your buddy Remy Blue about Pitt Finley. He's got a son, David Finley, that's just tearing up Japan right now. But, you know, back back to what you were asking is, you know, I went down there and I trained with the Truth Commission. I almost broke my neck in Louisville, Kentucky, wrestling Jerry Lawler 
so I had to take about three weeks off because Vince, who says he takes care of all injuries and everything in the ring, is full of shit because he doesn't, you know, unless you're some stone-cold Steve Austin or the person that we're talking right now is The Rock and who's making more money than any actor or actress in Hollywood right now. Uh, when The Rock came to Stanford, Connecticut, was at the office, myself, Kurgan, and 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 and, uh, and uh, Recon were with our uh, manager, and we would go in the ring, and we'd train with Rock for one or two hours every single day. And at that time, he couldn't wrestle his way out of a paper sack. But you could tell that he had the charisma. And in the professional wrestling business, if you don't have no charisma, then you might as well not even be in the ring because you don't deserve to lace up a pair of boots because nobody wants to go in there and just watch a bunch of high spots. They want to see a guy do some wrestling moves, talking on the microphone. They want it all. You don't see that on TV today, man. Half I three-fourths of these guys on TV today, honest to God, couldn't wrestle their way out of a paper sack. They really <laughs> couldn't. And, you know, so, yeah, I will take accolades. I helped train The Rock when he first was signed with the World Wrestling Federation in 1996 or 97. So, yeah, I, I, I definitely uh, can honestly, uh, honest to God, say that on, uh, on uh, your radio show today. And, and Mike, you, you even bring up two names that a lot of people take like in a good way, in a bad way. And I, I'll explain what I mean by that. A lot of people, when they hear the name Owen Hart, for instance, the first thing that pops in their head is that man should have been in the Hall of Fame since day one. But, of course, we all know, you know, that currently, from what I understand, Martha Hart uh, declines to do it uh, for the WWE because she thinks the WWE is doing it for public uh, Ah, I can't even talk right now. Yeah, well, I have that effect on a lot of people, George. Don't worry about it, brother. (laughs) (laughs) And And you're not even a woman. Imagine that. Woo! Oh, hush. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Martha Hart. See what I mean? Martha Hart doesn't want to sign the rights over to Vince McMahon. And you know what? I don't blame her. And if she does then she better get a pretty penny because he's going to do what he wants, when he wants. He don't give a shit who's listening, who's in charge. He's going to do what he wants to do, and Vince thinks he's got Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you today, Vince McMahon is not God. He doesn't rule the world. He might rule the World Wrestling Federation, um, but hopefully someday... Um, someone else with a with a mind, a real mind for wrestling, will take over because Vince is the type to just use and abuse you. And after he's abused you, he likes to let you go. And after that, he could give a fuck what you do in your life. And uh, you know, and that's the truth. You know, I thought Vince was a good guy when I was working for him, but shit happened down the road in the two or three gimmicks that I did later and uh you know not a very good uh not a very good uh uh 
business businessman when it comes to wrestlers and their characters and their storylines. All he cares about is putting money in his pocket, and that's the God's honest truth. If Vince ain't putting money in his pocket, he could give a shit less what's happened to you. So, but do you think that Owen Hart at least deserves to be in the Hall of Fame? Like, don't like uh, being that you were close with the Hearts, uh, like especially Brett. Brett has been fighting his own sister-in-law about this issue, uh, saying yes. that, he, like, that you know he he's upset at Marfa for not letting you know her put Owen in the Hall of Fame. What's your take? Yes. Do you think that Owen should well, be also I'm in the Hall of Fame you. too? I'm going to tell you, you know, when I broke into business in the CWA in the early 90s, uh, I wrestled Owen Hart and Chris Benoit in singles matches, you know, two or three times a week. Uh, Dave Finley and myself, we would wrestle tag teams against uh, uh, Owen and Chris. And why do you say that? Well, because I just mentioned three of the top names in professional wrestling, Eklor, that are well known in this business for everything that they've done in the ring, except for one person. And um, Owen Hart is the nicest guy that I know. Owen Hart was the jokester. When I first came to New York, he walked up to me and said, Hey, Bruiser, how you doing, buddy? And I was like, Great, man. Give me a big hug. I mean, he welcomed me to the WWF. Like we were in the CWA wrestling in front of 10,000 people instead of 30,000 people and, and multi-millions on, on TV. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. there was no difference. The venue didn't change. You know, the people didn't change. You know, we were the same. We were just a little older, but he never forgot. He never forgot that guy that he taught way back when in Germany. And so, you know, that told me one thing, that he was a good person, he had a great heart, and he remembered the people that were good to him and treated him with respect, and he shouldn't even be voted in. He should just have an automatic pass into the Hall of Fame, you know? Um, you know, Brett has, I've talked to Brett a couple times at some, uh, at some comic cons and stuff around the country, and um, yeah, like you said, Brett's in, uh, Brett's in a little uproar, but unfortunately, you know, there's nothing that he could do about it. And Vince, uh, you know, excuse me, Brett, uh, if anybody knows what kind of person Vince McMahon is, it's going to be Bret Hart. I mean, Brett, I mean, Vince fucked Brett in Calgary in his hometown before he went to WCW. I mean, totally fucked him. Shawn Michaels and the referee... Uh, Earl Hebner was the only ones that were involved besides Vince. You know, why do you think Brett spit a big loogie in Vince's face? Why do you think uh, Brett knocked Vince's office door down and beat the shit out of him in his office? Vince McMahon came out with a shiner as big as a watermelon, man. I mean, you know, that's serious business. You're, you're screwing people's lives in front of your family, in front of Stu Hart, for God's sake who had the dungeon in Calgary, Alberta. Do you know how many tower flower ears Stu Hart has given to all the professional wrestlers that you see on TV, past, present, and, uh, you know, probably in the future, because I'm sure that, that they got some from, uh, you know, they're getting cauliflower ears from uh, Stu Hart's grave, for God's sake. I mean, 
Stu Hart built a dynasty up there in Calgary. And um, Bret Hart and Owen Hart should definitely be a part of the Hall of Fame. No, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And being as it may, you even mentioned now Shawn Michaels, and 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 you mentioned the Click earlier too, uh, when you were yeah. talking about the different types of people in the WWF at that time. Yeah. Uh, and as a matter of fact, you were undefeated for a long time in the WWF uh, for a very yes, very I long sure time. Was. I was undefeated you, for a long time, and uh, I'll just finish your story for you, George. You know, I was oh, undefeated course, for a long time, and. Uh, uh, Double J had beat uh, uh, Razor Ramon for the Intercontinental Championship when he had Brody on it as his sidekick. And um, they sent uh, Razor Scott Hall off to uh, drug rehab for the 55,000th time and, you know, and still had a job for the company. Imagine that, being part of the clique, right? You know, so <laughs> uh, my first match uh, with uh, Scott Hall was right out of uh, drug rehab for Scott. And um, naturally, Scott was gone for, you know, 30, 60 days. I don't give a shit how long the time was. He could be gone a day, and that wouldn't be long enough, you know. Uh, it's just uh, I wrestled Scott Hall, and, and, you know, we're saying, okay, this and that, blah, blah, blah. Well, you could go on YouTube, and you could watch the match, Razor Ramon and Scott Hall, and you could watch the opening spot. Scott Hall hit me as hard as he could. He smacked me right across the face and tried to fucking knock me out, that cocksucker. And I'll tell you what, I just shook it off like a professional, and I went right back at him. And I'll tell you, when we got into the back of the locker room, you know, and this is what this is what really pisses me off, is because his friend, uh, Mr. Diesel, who couldn't, couldn't uh, uh, wrestle his way out of a paper sack, you know, he couldn't even play basketball for fuck's sake. And, uh, you know, Diesel was on a talk show, and he started talking about, the guy asked him, what was your most funniest uh, uh, things that you ever seen? He says, i got to tell you, I remember uh, one time uh, Scott Hall was wrestling uh, Mantar and, uh, on TV and for Superstars or something that we were doing. And the opening spot, he, he slapped him as hard as he can. And I, I heard, could hear his teeth chattering from the back. Well, let me tell you something, Diesel. Let me tell you something, Scott Hall. My fucking nine-year-old daughter smacked me harder than he ever did. And Scott Hall, you're a piece of shit. Diesel, you're the same. You guys stick together like, like thick and thin. Well, you know what? One's a drug addict, and the other one, I don't know what to call you, Diesel. You're not a wrestler. I mean, look at the gimmicks you started out with in the WCW. And if it wasn't for people like Sean McMahon or, or Sean Michaels, excuse me, you know, scratching your back, you'd have been, you would have been shit up a river without a paddle, for God's sake. Both of you clowns would have been. You know, I got friends that disagree what I think about Scott Hall and what I, what I think about Diesel. You know what? But we all have our own opinions. You know, I was in the ring with Scott Hall. Scott Hall is not a true professional. Scott Hall is a true drug addict. Scott Hall is a drunk. We were we were in L.A. doing a uh, doing a California trip one time, and we were getting ready to leave from like a week's tour. And I wrestled the British Bulldog. God rest his soul the whole week. 
And, man, we had some great easy matches every single night of the week. And on the last night, Scott Hall comes in all peeled up with the one, two, three kid. And I was in there with men on a mission. Nelson Frazier, God rest your soul, my good friend. And, uh, you know, I say God rest your soul because all these people are just dropping like hotcakes and nobody's doing anything about it. You know, I mean, what, what's going on here? Professional wrestling and wrestlers, we're all dropping like hotcakes and it seems like nobody gives a shit. I got a problem with that. Something needs to be done. But back to my story. We were at the Waffle House at a, at a, right outside LAX's airport at a Holiday Inn Express, and we were eating breakfast about 3.30 in the morning and had just enough time to eat real quick, grab a shower, and hit the red eye back to Denver, and then everybody jumped on their flight, the connecting flights to their home base. Well, Scott Hall comes walking in with the one, two, three kid. He's he orders about, I don't know, 200 hours worth of food. He ordered about 12 different meals. And, uh, you know, they're both filled up. They're both drunk off their ass. And uh, Scott Hall orders, wants his oatmeal first. He took about four spoons of oatmeal, head first right into the fucking oatmeal. And um, we're looking at uh, Sean Waltman, the one, two, three kids, like, hey, brother, you know what? If you don't save the fucker, we're not because we can't stand the fucking prick. And he's choking on his choking on his oatmeal, choking on his oatmeal. And we said, we're not kidding. He's, and Sean Mullins looking at us like, what the what, what am I supposed to do? It's like, either you grab him by the hair, motherfucker, or he's going to die right in his oatmeal. Because we ain't helping him. <laughs> nobody likes him. And uh, so he grabs him by the thing, and he goes, <laughs> oatmeal up his fucking nose, oatmeal coming out of his ears, oatmeal all over his face. You know, I wish back then the... Cell phones had a technology where you could take pictures. I would have took a picture and posted it all over the place. You know, uh, yeah, I don't. I got a problem, Scott Hall. So Scott Hall, if you're listening, man, anytime, any place, any street corner, any gas station, any ring, I'll beat the shit out of you one on one, just you and me, baby, because I'm in the best shape of my life right now, and I ain't no bitch, and we're not on fucking television no more. So if you want to go at it, Armando, Armando, brother, well, you get a hold of George from Russell City Radio, and he'll be <laughs> glad to give you my fucking telephone number. <laughs> I guess that's a personal invite. But, but uh, you can say let that me ask again. you something, Mike. Uh, I'm just curious about one thing, because whenever people think of Scott Hall, or even Diesel for that matter, uh, Kevin Nash, uh, the first thing they also think about is, like, the transfer over – uh, to WCW uh, and like uh, and a lot of people say that WCW actually took a lot of the talents for WWE. I know that after your time in the WWE, you actually spent a little time in ECW as well. But I'm just curious: did they ever also choose you? Did they ever contact you to say, "Hey, come over to WCW as well"? Um, no, not at all. Actually, um, you know, after after. Uh... You know, the first experience with Mantar and even the second, you know, with Tank um, from the Truth Commission, you know, I just, I went back to Europe. You know, I was I was much happier over there making $335 a day and wrestling in the same place for 76 nights in a row, same hall, same people. Some nights the place had 300 at its least, 
and on the weekends we sold out Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 6,000 people every night. And, you know, a lot of the guys in the WWE and the WCW, they've all over wrestled for Otto Vance. Again, he just passed away. Rest in peace, Big Otto. Uh, thank you for the opportunity that you gave me, man. I really appreciate it. It uh, helped me make the man I am today. And, uh, but, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of professional wrestlers have went over to Europe and worked for Otto Vance. And that used to be one of the uh, top territories to go to. And, you know, when you don't have to travel and you can make that good money every day, you know, some people might say, well, geez, you know, you would turn down a, $300,000 a year contract with the WCW. Well, you know, um, I'd have to really put some serious thought to it, but, uh, you know, my gut instinct is telling me, yeah, because why should I have to deal with all the bullshit in WCW and, you know, half that money you're spending out of your pockets, you know, anyway, for hotels, for food, for traveling, you're gone for 30 days, you know, you're home for three you know, I'd rather be enjoying life, you know, uh, eating great food every place we go. Most of the times we didn't even have to pay for our food because people that owned restaurants were sponsors. They'd feed us, you know, and we'd go on trips as a, as a whole crew of 23 guys plus two referees plus the two bosses. And uh, we would go on trips and and dinner dinner meetings and press conferences and stuff all over Europe. And uh, I tell you, that was the best, best 10, 12 years I've ever spent in my entire life over in Europe, man. I mean, there's a reason why I'm 50 and don't have a wrinkle on my face, brother. You know what I mean? <laughs> People say I get compliments all the time. My 14-year-old daughter can't understand why every time I pull up to a Scooter's Coffee that I got these young college girls hitting on me. I said, that's because your dad's so sexy at 50, and 50 is the new 30, baby. And all she says is, Daddy, stop it. You're embarrassing me. I says, well, I've embarrassed a lot more than just you, honey. But just roll with it, and we'll be just fine. (laughs) So, yeah, you know, I mean, you know, when these guys jumped over WCW, they had Hulk Hogan to suck up to, you know, and, and Eric Bischoff, and, you know, Eric Bischoff, he was spending uh, Ted Turner's money, so he didn't give a shit. You know, Ice Train was over in Europe for years. He was making two, three, four hundred thousand dollars in three consecutive years and wrestled about eight times in them three years. And he was over in Europe making the same money I was every day. He's making a double paycheck. So, you know, a lot of them guys were making huge money just because they knew for, knew somebody. They didn't have to wrestle. They didn't have to show up every night and lace up their boots and risk risk getting injured or risk dying in the ring like a few of my friends have, you know. And um, it's just, uh, I don't know, man. The wrestling business uh, is uh, today, damn sure is, is it like it was in the 90s. And the wrestling in the 90s, damn sure isn't like what it was in the 70s, you know. And, uh, you know, I... I uh, you know, Mad Dog Vashon, Maurice Mad Dog Vashon is who, who one of the guys who helped uh, train me along with uh, Dean Malenko, Jody Malenko, and the great Boris Malenko um, out of the AWA. So when you got a man of a thousand holes, Dean Malenko, and tag team champs of Jody and Dean in Japan training you every day for ten and a half months, well, you know, you're going to turn into something. And, 
You know, at one time I almost went over to Japan to uh, wrestle in the uh, shoot fighting stuff. And, um, you know, I wish I would have, but they, at the time they wanted me to lose 50 pounds. And, you know, I just wanted to be a, a professional wrestler. And uh, so Larry and I sat down and talked about it. And I just, uh, I just stayed here and trained, you know, for the sport I loved. I was looking at longevity instead of, you know, a two, three, four, five-year career. And, and, you know, a lot of people have told me before on my show here on Wrestle City, like, when it comes to the fans, Mike, like, they're completely different once you leave the country. Like, uh, for, for instance, I've had Latin stars here that say that once they cross into, like, Puerto Rico or Mexico, like, that the fans are so rowdy that they're so hostile when it comes to heels. How was it, like, different when it came to, the, like, the European fans versus the American fans? Well, I got to tell you, you know, um, you know, my, uh, my first match over in Europe, uh, it was a championship match and, uh, Dave Finley was, uh, my second and, um, naturally I was blowing up after the first 15 minutes and we had to wrestle 45 minutes. And, um, he said, just take it easy, kid, breathe. He says, uh, he says, when the bell rings, he says, go over there and spit on the French flag. I looked at him and I said, what? I says, uh, that's not moral. He said, son, he says, all's good in love and war, and especially in professional wrestling. I mean to tell you what, I spit on that French flag and because uh, the champ was French-Canadian. And I mean to tell you what, man, people were throwing shit in the ring left and right and this and that. We just continued on with the match, you know. Um, you know, you do things like that. You know, you'll give, you're in Germany, you'll give a Hail Hitler sign and uh, every now and then just to piss off the fans. And, uh, you know, um, but when it all comes down to it, man, they're just, they're wrestling fans, you know. And um, wrestling in a lot of these countries um, what they're used to isn't what they, you know, isn't just what they see on TV. You know, they'll have, they'll have their own independent companies that actually do some wrestling. They actually put holds together. They actually grab a hold. They actually tell a story, you know? And so, mm -hmm. you know, they appreciate that kind of wrestling. They don't, they don't, uh, they just, you know, when they some of the times they watch this stuff on TV and they say, you know, what is this? What's this shit that we're seeing on TV? Nobody grabs a hold. Nobody's telling a story. Everybody's trying to outdo the other guy with the high spot off the ropes and a and a triple lunda, you know, off the corner post and and this and that and stuff. And you know, if you're a real wrestler, you don't need all that high flying shit to get yourself over. You just have to be able to wrestle and tell a story. And that's what these people want. That's what professional wrestling is lacking today. I can't tell you when's the last time I've turned on uh, uh, my cable TV and turned on to watch wrestling, any kind of wrestling, because there is no story being told. No story whatsoever. This guy's wrestling this guy today. This guy's wrestling that guy tomorrow. And there ain't no story. You know, you got to tell a storyline. You know, that's what people, you know, believe. If you want fans to believe what you're doing, 
Well, then you've got to make them believe what you're doing in that ring, you know? And a lot of, lot of marks, so-called marks today, um, they think they're smart marks. But I tell you what, we've had many a people come in the ring over in Europe thinking they could be a professional wrestler, and they'd put them in with uh, myself or Fit Finley and, uh, you know, uh, another guy. And, uh, you know, after about five minutes, and we'd beat the shit out of them, put them to sleep two or three times and woke them up. Um, they walked out of the ring and said, yeah, I'm not, uh, this isn't what I've uh, seen on TV. And, you know, they just take their powder and get their t- tail wagging between their legs and off they go. You know what I mean? There's a lot of wannabes out there, but you have to have a heart for this business. And if you don't, you don't have a heart for entertaining people, for abusing your body, I mean, isn't that sick to say, George, that, that you, have to, you have to have an inkling or a heart to go out and abuse your body every single night of the week? Isn't there something yep. wrong with that? You know, um, you know, and and uh, I remember the first two weeks of, of my wrestling career in training camp. Man, after two weeks, you know, my body was beat up, it was bruised up, and and I've never quit anything in my life. It's like sixth grade baseball, and uh, that's just because the coach pulled me after I hit two batters in a row. You know, and I said, to hell with this game. Baseball ain't for me. I'm too big for this. Let me go back to playing hockey. So that's what I did. And um, nobody could outskate me on ice skates at 10 years old, by the way, when I was like 210 pounds, 220 pounds at 10 10 years old. Boy, I could skate. Boy, I'll tell you that right now. And, uh, (laughs) you know, hey, man, I I skated with the German professional team over in Germany. The same guy that I was talking about wrestling and the French-Canadian, I spit on his flag. He went for a thing, and I said, hey, what about me? The guy said, Mastino, I ain't got time for your shit tonight. Leave me alone. I said, what about me? I know how to skate. He said, Mastino, for the last time, leave me the hell alone. I said, I promise you, man, this is not a rib. You know, because I used to rib a lot of people, but they were always good ribs over there, you know? And uh, and so I I went into his office. I said, Peter. I can ice skate. He says, look at me in the eye and tell me you can ice skate. I slammed my fist on the desk. I said, I can fucking ice skate. He said, okay, then be at the, be, at, be waiting at 6 o'clock. He says, we're going with the German professional team. So me and the heavyweight champion over there at the time, we went and promoted the professional wrestlers in, in, in Germany in Hanover, and we went and skated with the uh, professional team, and we got to take like five shots apiece on the goalie over there, and and what a fun time because I haven't had ice skates on for 20 years at that time. And, you know, it was, it was, it was fun. You know, you just do fun things like that. You don't do fun things like that when you're in the WWE or the WWF, you know? I mean, you know, Vince McMahon's got his own movie company now. He's trying to make some of these, some of these uh, stars, uh, you know, movie stars. Not everybody's made to be a movie star. Not everybody's going to be a rock. You know, there's the, them, them, them people come around, uh, you know, once every 10, 15 years. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, everybody wants to be that guy. But if people would just try to be themselves, you know, I think they'd be a lot better off sometimes. You know, people, you know, Vince wants you to be somebody who you're not. And sometimes he puts the total opposite gimmick on a guy that he should have put on somebody else and give that guy the other gimmick. And he'd have made, and both of them would have been there for ten years. And he'd have said, "Damn, man, 
He says, I couldn't have did that better if I wanted to. But Vince McMahon don't give a shit. He'll he'll put a fucking diaper on you and tell you to go out there and wrestle. You know? Really? What do you want me to wrestle as a, a big baby? You know? Okay, big baby it is, you know? I mean, you know, what are you, what are you going to do? I mean, it's just some of the shit that he has people do is just ignorant. There's just no place for it in professional wrestling. You know, people are people are getting killed out there and you know, before, during, and after after wrestling, and uh, you know all the all the drugs and shit that go through you know that go through the through wrestling and professional sports today. You know, um, you know there's this uh, there's this thing out there called uh, CTE that a lot of people need to pay attention to, and um, that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, but uh, it's a serious disease, and. Um, you know, they're starting to ban literally football 12 and under just because of it. That's how serious of a disease it is. And you don't know you got it until you're dead. Well, what the hell good does it do then? You know, I mean, I don't know about you, George, but I've, you know, I've had probably 10, 15, 20 concussions in my death. Probably had more than I really know, to be honest with you, because it's not one serious blow. It's a series of a bunch of blows and it could be little blows. And it's not one big blow. And, you know, so, you know, on to another subject before I get my big ass in trouble. <laughs> well, I don't know if you're going to be allowed to talk about this. And feel free to tell me no or yes. But, you know, you mentioned concussions. And, and, I, and I believe you're actually part of that big lawsuit uh, going into the WWE with a whole bunch of other gentlemen who suffer from concussions with the WWE. Uh, and as a matter of fact, or WWF at the time, I'm sorry. Um, as a matter of fact, you know, CM Punk just had a case with the WWF, at, well, the doctor at that time, Dr. Chris Ammon, uh, and won his case uh, for the same reasons, for the same health reasons. Uh, can you give us any update on the lawsuit that's taking place for the concussions with you, a bunch of other legends, versus the WWF? Well, you know, all I will say about that is is that the case is still ongoing. Um, no, Vince McMahon has not won. It is still in litigation. Um, there was one minor case that was lost for uh, two wrestlers, I guess. Um, but the case is still ongoing, and... Um, we're still in litigation, so that's all I'm. That's all I'm going to tell you. It's up to the. It's up to the lawyers. You know, it's not me to say. I'm not in the courtroom, and I'm sure sure not going to say anything to uh, damage the case. But all I can say is uh, CTE is real. It does happen. Um, it has. Uh, it has uh, killed many people, and people like Chris Benoit have uh, done a lot of. Uh, unfortunate things because of CTE. And um, so I think that we're presenting a good case, and we'll just have to wait and see uh, see what the courts say. Okay, and that's very, very understandable. And, and then going back to this subject, because, of course, you said that pro wrestling today, uh, Mike, is not the same. It's not it, like that people, like you were saying, and I quote, that people can't wrestle out of their own paper bag right now, like uh, with the styles and also even them risking. Chris, ben, Chris Jericho actually went on record by saying what a lot of these people do is just too much because you're going to end your career faster. Uh, and Vader the you know the late great vader god bless his soul yep. you know as a matter of fact stood up for exactly what you're saying you know by saying hey 
wrestling doesn't need all these acrobats. And he actually stepped out of retirement to to face Will Ospreay, which is one of the top, you know, high flyers in the world right now. Uh, Mike, let me ask you something. If you said, let's say right now, hypothetically, if you were to – uh, if a promoter were to go up to you and say, hey, Mike, I heard what you said about the current professional wrestling. I'm going to let you step in the ring with any high flyer in the business right now. Uh, who would you want to even step in there just to prove a point? Wow. You know, I mean, there's just there's just so much so much talent out there, you know. that um, I mean, when I say talent, I'm talking about you know, guys that do high flying and, and with me not re- watching, you know, wrestling at all on TV, you know, I'd, I'd rather watch, uh, I'd rather watch, um, Nick tunes at night than the WWE or SmackDown, you know, um, that's more entertaining. Um, you know, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, I'd actually, I'd actually probably, like to wrestle, I know there's this, uh, you know, there's this guy that you call. Um, uh, is he WWE is he or? Yeah, it's a WWE guy. Uh, I'm trying to think of his name right now. I just said for the for the uh, life of me, it just has you know left my head. Is but, he in the know, cruiserweight division I, or is he in the? Yeah, he's a he's a cruiserweight, you know, and that's what most of these cruiserweights do. And you know, if if a if a guy says, "Hey, Mike, you know, you want to go out there and 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 wrestle this guy," I say, "Okay, you know, this is this is what we're gonna do, kid." And he says, "Well, I want to do this, and I want to do that, and I want to do this, I want to do that." I said, I, "I would say to him, well, you know what? Let's just start the match, and you show me that you can wrestle first. If you can wrestle first, you know, we'll do them spots. And I'll be there, and I'll catch you. You know, I'll put my life on the line to catch you after doing a 360 fucking reverse splat on the outside from the top rope. I'll catch you. You know, and I'll catch you. Oh, I already know who you're talking about. You know, but (laughs) you're going to have to, uh, you're going to have to uh, show me that you can wrestle first, you know, because anybody can do that high-flying stuff. You know, that's what I took high, that's what I took pride in, you know. When I was in was on when I was in New York and when I was in 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 wrestled for Pro Wrestling Syndicate up in New York City and New Jersey and over in Europe, you know I could move just like these cruiserweights could move. I could do almost anything that they could do. I was limbo on my feet, you know. I'd hit you in the chin with a drop kick, you know. I could go to the top rope. There was no reason to go to the top rope. Why? What's a 400-pound guy doing on the top rope? Nothing. You know, except, you know, maybe end his career early, you know? And so each person has to find their own style, but but these cruiserweights and middleweights, they all have the same style, you know? They might do different moves, but they do each other's finishing move, you know? It's called the finishing move for a reason, if you kick out of my finishing move, I'm going to get up and I'm going to bury you for a fucking shoot. You know, if I, if I fucking put you in a finish and you kick out of it, well, you ain't kicking out of nothing else because you ain't going to have a chance. Because I'll shoot on you and I'll make you tap out. You know? I mean, it's, that's the problem. 
You know, these guys, you call these spots, and sometimes they get so confused, and you could tell that they hurt themselves. You could tell that these guys land on their head, you know, tweak their knee, tweak their elbow, uh, hit their back on the on the post or whatever. You know, that shit don't feel good, and it's not fun, you know. But like I said, it takes a special kind of a human being to be a professional wrestler. And um, unfortunately for me, at a young age of 20, I decided I wanted to be a professional wrestler. Now, I just had two major surgeries, one on my neck and one on my back in the past 10 months. And two through seven are fused. I got plates in five, six, and seven. Just had major back surgery two months ago. I got arthritis, spinal stenosis of an 80-year-old man. I got a body of an 80-year-old man, my doctor tells me. You think that makes me feel good? Hell no, it doesn't. But I made the choice. But the choices we make at 20 and the choices we make at 45 and 50 are two different times and are two different choices. You know, if I had to do it all over again, would I do it over again? Yes, probably. But I sure would do things a hell of a lot different than I did. You know, look at The Miz, for example. The Miz, he wrestles smart. You know, him and John Mm -hmm. Cena had a shoot going on, had a shoot. And John Cena was calling him names, said he couldn't wrestle his way out of a paper sack. And and The Miz Miz says, you know what, you know, you're you're the face of the company. You know why? Because you've got your nose up Vince McMahon's fucking ass. I mean, if people knew John Cena as a person, he's a cocksucker. He's an egomaniac. I got a buddy here in Omaha, Nebraska, that I go train in his gym, Todd Smith Nutri Shop, who was an eight-time Mr. Nebraska. And that's the reason why John Cena went into professional wrestling, because my good friend Todd Smith beat him in a professional bodybuilding uh, contest, proper show, uh, legalized, drug-free, and... John Cena got his ass handed to him by my friend Todd Smith of the Nutri Shop. And then he said, well, I can't can't beat this guy anymore. And so he went into professional wrestling, you know. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, could, could, could John Cena be a bodybuilder today? Maybe, you know, if he, if he wanted to, but it's a lot of hard work. You know, he's, he's, he's trying to, he's trying to make movies being the rock and he's, he's, he can't hold a candlestick to the rock when it comes to his acting skills. I've even been in some movies myself, you know, and um, it's not easy. You know, it's a lot different. It's a lot different performing in front of a live audience than it is in for, performing just in front of a camera. And, 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 and that's it. You know, I mean, you would think, well, geez, it would be like just cut an interview, you know, in front of the camera. No, it's not that easy. You know, you got a story to tell. You got lines to remember. You got cues to remember. You know, wrestling. You know, wrestling just comes easy. You know, you know what's coming. You know a guy's moves. What's coming after this one? And so you just set up and you be ready for him. You know, and in the movie business, it's not like that. You know, so either you better be a great ad libber and one hell of an actor, or you're not going to have a job. You know, so 
you know, I've been dabbling in, in, in movies and, 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 and music videos and stuff and, you know, raising my, raising my two young daughters and, uh, you know, life is great. I can't complain, you know, I mean, it takes me 20 minutes to get out of bed every day. My neck hurts every day. My back hurts every day. It takes me a half hour before I can stand up straight. But you know what? That's my life. I chose it. I'm living in it. It sucks. But you know what? I'm alive, and I thank God every morning when I get out of bed. I thank the good Lord. Thank you for letting me see another day. So I couldn't have done the things that I've done in my life without the grace of God um, looking down on me and with his hand on my shoulder and saying, Mike, never quit. And I've never quit. I've never quit. And, uh, and that truly is a very inspirational story about that, you know, to be honest with you. Uh, it's, it's truly, truly inspirational. And, and let me ask you something, Mike, uh, out of my two last questions, because we are again, uh, short of time here. Uh, Mike, my, what, one you of got my last me on a questions. time limit, George? You got me on a time no, limit? I thought we were going to talk all night, brother. <laughs> I wish. Man. I really do. But, you know, our servers only allow so much time. <laughs> okay, okay. So, well, as long as you promise to bring me back on another time, then um, then I'll let you shoot your last two questions at me. I promise that it will happen because, trust me, Mike, one of the things I realized in this conversation that you and I are having is that you have way too much information just for one episode. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, that's for sure. I've definitely been around the block once or twice. So, and trust me when I say some people need part two. So, and I'm saying this because I had that one, like one to two hour conversation with you. And trust me, we haven't even scratched. This. So, Mike, my one of my last two questions is this. Uh, you know, with all, everything you said, you know, as far as the current wrestling product, oh, God, we only got 10 minutes according to the server. Um, what I wanted to ask is what kind of advice would you have for any of the future talents that are trying to get into the business right now? You know, I guess the, uh, the, the advice I would give them is, you know, try to find something that fits your style. Try to add a little bit more wrestling into it so people don't think that you're just in that ring putting on a show. You know, let these people know that you are a professional wrestler. You're not a professional entertainer. You know, when they turn the TV on, they, they turn it on today to be entertained. It's called professional wrestling, not professional entertainment, for God's sake. It's professional wrestling, and these guys are entertaining. You know, be a wrestler. Do actual wrestling moves. Grab a hold. Tell a story. Take your time. Think about what you're doing. Don't be in a hurry. You know, you only got one chance. Either do it right or don't do it at all. You know, other than that, that's, you know, that's about all the advice that I could give these young talents, man. Be careful. These moves are going to kill you. Mm-hmm. They're going to kill you. And, and, you know, one of these ahead, days sorry, you're going to – one of these days you're going to, you're going to, you know, do some move that you've done a hundred times and that hundred and first time is going to be the end of it. And what did you do it for? What did you do it for? Because somebody told you to, you did that for it to be famous. 
You did that for a paycheck. You got to think about the people that you have at home, the families that love and care about you. You know, when you go in, that's not going to hurt your character. Any people, you're going to walk into any shop, any store, any restaurant. People are going to know who you are because you're on mm-hmm. TV. You know, take your time, tell a story, wrestle, inter- integrate the high flying in there so it means something when you do it. If you come out doing it and you do it until the end, well, people are going to say, well, I've seen that shit a hundred times. Next. I mean, there's a reason why that the WWF and, and WWE and SmackDown are at the lowest ratings ever in their entire inception on, um, on television. You know, ratings are horrible. They're horrible for a reason, and that's one of them. You know, they got the wrong people in charge. Triple H should not be in charge. He's only taking care of his friends. That's it. Hmm. The only people he put over is his friends. And, you know, letting these guys like Brock Lesnar wrestle three or four times a year, bullshit. You want to get out there and be a wrestler, which we all know you are, Brock. We all know you're a wrestler. You're a national champion from the University of Minnesota. Well, put some of them wrestling skills, you know, try to do it seven nights a week, 365, like a lot of us did for years, you know, on the road for over 200 days a year, 300 days a year. Try doing that, Brock. I bet your body won't be able to hold up, and you'll be saying, Jesus, I wish I wish I'd have kept my deal of three and four times a year. So we got time for one more question, George? Yeah, definitely. And as a matter of fact, I love the fact that you just laid the smack down on Brock Lesnar because a lot of fans are very, very upset about the whole situation that he they call him a part-time champion. Uh, he so is. The, He's so not even, it, he's not, I would not call the guy that wrestles four pay-per-views or four times a year, six times a year, a champion. A champion puts his belt on the line every single night of the year. Every single <laughs> night. You go out, whether it's a championship match or not, you're the fucking champ. You're the rep- person representing the company. You know, you don't have your tongue up the boss's ass or something else up his ass. Like a lot of people I know, Shawn Michaels and Kevin Dash and Scott Hall, you know, you, Brock Lesnar, are a a part-time champion. You're not a real champion. That belt you wear, that's not worth its weight in gold. I could could go to the local Walmart Walmart and buy myself one of them for about $1,000, you know. I mean, Brock Lesnar, he wants to, if he wants to earn people's respect, he should put his ass out there every night of the week. And he'd gain a lot more respect from people than he does now. But he's got uh, a posh deal with Vince McMahon and the company, and they let him do it. So if they're going to let him do it, then, hey, you might as well get away with it, right? Because if they're going to let you do it, just keep on doing it. You know, that's what, yep. what do you think the click is all about, George? That's the click. That's the click right there. You know, if the click's going to yep. let you get away with it, you know, you could do it. When I almost got in a fight in the locker room with Scott Hall after our match, um, well, when we did get in a fight, we had uh, we had agents pulling us apart. I knew that my day, days were numbered. Why? Because he was part of the click. You can watch my match uh, on YouTube against Bob uh, – uh, uh, no plug Holly 
And um, you can watch the match with him and watch how I manhandled him the whole match. And then I had to lay there like a piece of shit when I wasn't even hurt and take the one, two, three. Are you kidding me? I didn't even shower. I got I got out of my gear, got dressed, left, said goodbye to a buddy of mine, and I got on the took my rent a car to the airport and I booked my next flight back to Nebraska. I said fuck you, WWE. But they knew who to call. They knew who to call when Gold Dust got hurt in Europe. And it was a pay-per-view here in Omaha, Nebraska, and they need somebody to wrestle the Ultimate Warrior and go out there and do a little <laughs> stint with him. Well, yes, folks, Mantar has wrestled the Ultimate Warrior, one of the second <laughs> highest paid people in WWE history. That's right, folks. You're hearing it right here on Wrestle City Radio. Half man, half beast, Mantar from Little Omaha, Nebraska. Wrestle the Ultimate Warrior in an in-your-house pay-per-view in Omaha, Nebraska for Goldust because he blew out his knee on a trip to Europe. So there. So if you people just <laughs> think that I've wrestled a bunch of jabronis, I haven't. I've wrestled some of the best of the best. Bret Hart, Razor Ramon, Bam Bam Bigelow. Jeez. Uh, I mean, you know, the Ultimate Warrior. Owen Hart, Chris Benoit, uh, Dean Malenko, you know, it just goes on and on and on and on. You know, people only, people like to believe what they read in newspapers or, or on the Internet. Well, you know what? Don't believe everything you read, people, but believe what you see. And what you see is what you get. And if you want me to come in here and just talk a bunch of bullshit, George, then don't ask me to come on your show. You want me to come in here and tell the truth? Well, they can't do nothing to me. I can't. I'm free as a bird now. I'm at home. Mm -hmm. I'm taking care of my daughters. I don't give a shit. You know, my life's an open book. And so if they don't want to hear it, well, then they obviously shouldn't have been doing it at the time, and they shouldn't have been doing it in front of me. Am I going to tell all? No, because some stories are just better just in, held in your mind. <laughs> so you know, tonight I've been so fired up that you know I had to let a few out there, and so I hope that uh, I made all your uh, all your listening uh, uh, fans out there. I hope I've uh, uh, give you a great interview and give you exactly what you wanted tonight. And uh, I want to thank you, George. Uh, you um, you made a 50 year old man uh, very happy to get some of this off his chest. Well, Mike, I'm telling you this not as like from journalist to a performer, but I'm telling you this from man to man. Uh, you know, I'm actually very, very honored that I had a chance to even sit down here and have this contact, uh, this phone call with you. And ma major thanks to Remy for making this even happening uh, for us. Yeah, here on it, like Radio. I told you, it's gonna, it's gonna trust Remy. Uh, uh, women in a whole bunch of sake the next time I see him. So you tell him that he better stay over in Japan because I'm going to come collect. 
<laughs> so, and I'm pretty sure he's listening to that. But you know, I have to thank not just Remy, but you as well, because now I have the honor and the privilege and everything that goes with it to not just say, "Hey, I had I had a chance to speak to Mantar on my show," but now I could also say that Mantar, uh, you know, is my friend, and I basically thank you very much for that. Same to you, George. It's been it's been all my pleasure. And again, I want you listeners to look up YouTube and look up Young Vada, and you'll see Vodzilla and Mantar, yours truly, in some uh, music videos. And I hope you guys enjoy it because it's going to be great, and they're going to knock your socks off, brother. Because we're about to go worldwide with this music, and he's a, one of the best freestylers that I've ever heard in my life. And he's a very good friend of mine. And so young Vada shout out to you, brother, Todd Smith, you, my kids. I know they're at the lake listening to this right now. Hope you're out there having fun. Don't drown please. And um, (laughs) everybody that's listening, I love you. Thanks for being professional wrestling fans. And just remember we're out there. We're professional athletes and we're trying to entertain you the best way we can never forget it i don't care how smart you think you are you're never smart enough until you lace up them boots and you do it night after night day after day for 20 plus years of your life i've been in sports for 45 years and i take pride in being an athlete i take pride in being a wrestler i take pride in being a pro wrestler I take more pride in being a father, so I want you all to never forget it. No matter how smart you are, you're not ever that smart. The smartest person in the world is that man upstairs. And when it's your time, it's your time, and there's fuck all that we can do about it. So, George, I'm going to leave you with that, brother. Pleasure. You and Remy, you guys take care. And anytime you want to talk, just give me a call, and I'll be there for you, brother. You will do. And by the way, Mantar, I just want to let you know, Remy says if you're willing to uh, to uh, collect, uh, to come to Rapungi. That's what he says. <laughs> oh, Rapungi. Okay. I will definitely uh, definitely uh, Google it, and I will find you, Remy. If it's the last thing I do before I die, I'm going to hunt you down, Remy Blue. Because Mantar is coming to collect. Woo! <laughs> Thank you so very much, Mike. Uh, we'll talk soon. Thank and we'll you very much, brother. Too. God my bless pleasure, you. My brother. Have a great evening down in Miami, brother. Thank you, my brother. Thank you. Have a great one. Peace. You too. God bless. You too, Mike. You too. Guys, that was none other than former WWE, WWF superstar, Mantar, in a very special and rare interview slash shoot. Guys, what an amazing interview. If you missed that, you missed a lot. Now, guys, make sure uh, to let every one of your friends know. Let your family know to make sure to tune into this episode because this is a very rare appearance by the man beast himself, Mantar. Uh, guys, thank you very much, to, of course, uh, from everyone.
everyone here at Russell City Radio, from the backstage team to myself. Thank you very much for tuning in to another episode. I thank my backstage team, like Remy and Lorraine, for doing what they do, even when they're busy in their personal lives. I thank them very much for what they do. Guys, make sure you tune in next week, next Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. when we're back on the air with now a 20-plus year veteran in a pro wrestling syndicate superstar. Well, for uh, we speak too devious next week here on Wrestle City Radio. Guys, well, I'll see you all next week and talk to you next week. For everyone here at Wrestle City Radio, I want to say good night and most importantly, stay real. Good night, folks. Oh, 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 oh,